Beautiful thing. Okay, so we're in Philippians chapter 3 this morning. Uh, my name's Danny, if you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. Paul is writing here, the Apostle Paul, he's in prison. He's at near the end of his life, really. And, he's, and he, I'll just read this to you, Philippians 3, starting at verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, um, that's, is that in the PowerPoint? Okay, skip that slide. Yes, that's two weeks ago. There we go. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. So Paul starts this section with these words. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. What things? Well, if you read the the verses before that, this is when Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to know him. He says, everything else in my whole life I consider as refuse, as dung, as rubbish, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. These things. Not that I've already achieved these things. What things? I want to know him. This is Paul. Uh, Paul, who was the scholar of scholars, he knew his Bible better than you or I do. And he says, I want to know him. This is Paul who'd suffered for Christ. People had hunted him. He had death threats, beatings, lashes, prison, shipwrecks. Been through more for the sake of Christ than you or I have. And he says, I want to know him. This is Paul who'd experienced the supernatural. You can read this in um, Corinthians. He says, I got taken up into the third heaven and I saw things that were so astounding that I can't even repeat them. In his supernatural experience is beyond anything you or I have ever experienced. And he says, I want to know him. And then he says, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things. Well, that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection. We're wrapping up our DNA series uh, today. This is about who we are as disciples of Christ. What, what marks us as the people of God here uh, at CCW? Remember, we introduced this saying that our DNA is not our history. Our DNA is not where we came from. Our DNA is where we're going. We're becoming disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus People who are pursuing God, loving the family, growing in generosity, giving our best to the body, and living and sharing the gospel because we want to know Him. So Paul says, I haven't already achieved these things. I haven't reached perfection, but I press on. Uh, This concept, we've talked about this a fair bit of, um, I know Christ and I want to know Him. I've I've received Christ, but I pursue Him. Like, uh, 
Why, why is pursuing God our primary, our first kind of point of call for a disciple of God? When we, when we know that salvation is given to us as a gift, we heard that this morning from Ephesians 2. Why do the recipients of grace, why, why are we saying, press on, go hard, pursue God um, that way? Matthew Henry, who's a commentator, uh, says this, Wherever there is true grace, there is a desire for more grace. That is, we experience something of God, and what that does is it spark, sparks in us a hunger for more of God. The, the, if you like, we, had, we were dead, as Andrew said in communion this morning. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, but in Christ we're made alive. So this life comes into our soul, and then we get a feel and a taste for life, and we just hunger for that. Grace always breeds a desire for more of grace. In Ephesians 5, Paul says this, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, um, we are called to be Godaholics. You like that word? Paul says, I want you to be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. I want you to, I want you to hunger for it like an, like an addict. I want you to be addicted to God. Pursue God. Want God. Yearn for God. Like that is the primary cry of your soul above everything else. That's what grace does in our lives. So Paul's saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. And I'm not yet there. I'm not there yet. So I'm pressing on to pursue him. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So let me make this clear. We're not earning our salvation here. Our salvation is all of grace from God. You can read that in verse 9 of the same chapter. Our salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus bought it for us in his blood. So we don't press on to earn Jesus. We press on because our faith is real. Because we're recipients of his grace and his forgiveness and his life in us and we just want more. This is why genuine faith is always evidenced by a hunger for more of God. Let me say that again. Genuine faith is always evidenced by a hunger for more of God. And Paul's pretty confident about this, verse 15. He says, those who are spiritually mature will agree and if you don't, God will sort you out. Um, followers of Jesus always want more of Jesus in their life. Less of me, more of him in my life. I want to know him more. So let's go back to verse 13 where Paul shows us a little more of what this hunger to know uh, Christ better involves. Oh, by the way, before I do that, um, there have been times in my life where I haven't been hungry for God. I, I believe I've I've felt saved, I've known myself saved, and I've, and I've been a Christian, you know, and, I, and, that, and externally you would say that guy's behaving mostly, you know, in, the, in those kind of moral, ethical ways. He's a churchgoer, he's a Christian, that sort of thing. But in my heart, I haven't been hungry for more of God. And I would say that's an aberrance, that's a warning, that's a bing, 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 I am not following Christ at the moment in my life. Because grace always begets more hunger for grace. How can you know him and not want to know him? 
How can you go, I've had enough of that, God, now I'm going to do my own thing over here? Unless you've forgotten what it's like to know him. A.W. Tozer, he's one of my favorite authors, actually, he says, To know God and yet pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Listen to this. Scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. Don't you love that? I like words. Um, you might go, that was a lot of words, didn't he? But uh, the point is, those of us who know Christ know what we mean. How can you know him and not want to know him? How can you be happy that you stopped? Um, so we're called to this hunger um, to know Christ. So Paul goes on. No, dear brothers and sisters, verse 13, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I focus on this one thing. This is the context. I want to know Christ. I'm not there yet. I want to know him. I want to know him. So I focus on this one thing. What is the one thing? Forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead. Here's the one thing. This is how I press on. I forget the past. This is... um, now, obviously, you can't forget your past because you were there, you know, and you've got a good memory. So a lot of us, so we know what happened then. What does he mean, forgetting the past? He's saying, dropping the things from my past that are stopping me from knowing him. That's what he means. Letting go of anything that hinders my pursuit of God, anything from my past that slows down my journey in knowing Jesus better. Now, there are some things from our past that are helpful to remember. Um, remember when Abram... He, uh, one of the times when God speaks to him very directly and promises him all these wonderful things about descendants and, and the promise of God in Abram's life. Um, and then Abram goes down into Egypt and he lies to the king there. He says that his wife's his sister and it's all a big mess. And he goes away from God that way. And he comes back when God brings him back and he visits the altar that he made back when God made him a promise. He just visits and kind of resets and then he moves on. That's, that's how our past is helpful to us. As a reminder of God, when God did that, when God showed me that, when I learned that from God, when I experienced God, when I was called or, or when God promised me these things or when there was this kind of spoken into my life from God or when I realized this truth from God, there are markers in my past that I revisit just so I can check in with God and move on. I don't stay there. I can't stay there. Staying there is like a ball and chain in our pursuit of God. What are the things in our past that, that when Paul's saying forget the past, just forget the past, what's he talking about? Um, like, like this, like the achievements that I've made in my past. It's easy to want to hang on to those. You know that feeling when you think, I did that, I achieved that. Look, look at that, that was me. Um, Paul says, Dah. Like, forget that. Any, any kind of pride or any, anything that you would bring into today that's to your credit from your past, drop it. Mother Teresa, in her journal, she said, I used to get up in the morning, fall to my knees and say, God, um, help me to serve you today because to this point I have done nothing. So anything that's to my credit is gone. Right? It's all God anyway. So forget the past. Uh, what else? Failures, our memory of failures. 
I failed at my marriage, I failed at my work, I failed, I'm, these are, I'm not, this is not me, by the way. Uh, these are things that you might, have, you might have in your life, or you might know people that have in your life. I'm not going to actually list mine, because I've got plenty, don't worry. So what have we failed at? What, what do we just go, this disqualifies me now from really pursuing God. I fail with my kids. I haven't been a very good Christian. I'm so ashamed. I speak to lots of Christians who are held back in their pursuit of God because of their shame about their past. Paul says, forget it. Like, I want to know him. And there's this one thing that I focus on. I forget that. I just forget it. You know what? Forgiveness is such a clean place where you just go, God, I'm so sorry for this that happened in my that I did. I'm sorry. And Jesus just says, it's gone. It's gone. It's paid for in my blood. It is finished. There is nothing from our past. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. There is no like disqualification from anything we have done that stops us from knowing Christ now. Like we've, we've got to get our heads around this. Shame is the device of the enemy. Condemnation is the device of the enemy. It is gone. We are forgiven. When we say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong, we stand on a, on a, on a solid rock that is Christ and we are free from every ball and chain and burden of our past and we are freed in that space to know him. It doesn't stop the consequences of what we've done circumstantially from catching up with us you know, in the now and towards the future. But in terms of our relationship with God and this, this uh, potential we have to know Christ, we are free. We are free to know him. What else from our past should we forget? Past hurts. Anger. Unforgiveness. It's like, it's like a ball on a chain. For us in our walk with God. So forgiveness is real to us. And forgiveness is real through us too. You want to know Christ? Then you can't be holding resentment or grudges or bitterness or anger against somebody else. Forgiveness is, I can't remember who said this, forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. It is. This is, I'll just reset now in my relationships with people. This is a clean place. Nobody owes me anything. There's no, I'm not dragging any rocks here. There's no, you know, I'm not, I don't look at anyone and go, ooh, you. Because that's, gonna, that's that. That's the, that's the ball and chain on my heart. And I want to know him. Just forget the past. Like, forget it. This is the one thing I'm going to focus on so I can know Christ. I'm going to forget the past. All my shame and my condemnation and my guilt is nailed to the cross, is gone. All the successes and the pride and the, and the credit I would take onto myself, it's just gone. All the anger and the unforgiveness and the resentment that I have is gone. I'm going to forget the past and look forward. Um, sometimes it's more... Subtle and innocuous seeming things that are just as dangerous like nostalgia. Wasn't God awesome back then? You know, you ever feel that? 
Like, there was this space where I had, like, before I came here, I had four great friends. We called ourselves the Band of Brothers a little bit. Yeah, we were led by an American, anyway. Um, and it was a great group. It was the best kind of camaraderie. Like, I miss it. And I've not felt that kind of space um, socially since I've moved here because that was just awesome, awesome, awesome. But if I would go, oh, I just, I just hunger for that and I, and I remember that. If I would stay at that altar, how can I know him? Is God just as real right now in this moment, right here, right now? You, you better believe it. We were praying on Thursday night. Uh, and uh, we're seeking God together. Now, some of the material from this sermon came from the feedback from that night because we put up on the wall these three things, forgetting the past, uh, looking forward, pressing on. What's God saying to us in those spaces, as individually and as a church? And we just listened in our own space for half an hour or so, and then we pinned to the wall the prayers that we felt God was leading us to pray. That's what we do in those Thursday night environments. We listen to God, and we want to hear back from what God's saying to his people. Um, anyway, as I'm praying, is what God showed me. This picture, of not that one particularly, I found that one. Um, but that concept of me doing this, like walking through life like this. God, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'm coming, I'm just, there's a, um, look, I'm, I'm nearly, you know, like I'm, I'm moving that way, but there's a, hang on, just, I'll try and keep up, but I've just got to, and it's like God saying to me, Danny, I am alive, I am powerful, I am real, I am, I am joy and life and hope and purpose and peace and beauty and fulfillment, and I am right here. And you are missing my presence. Because every decision back there is done. It's done. I can't decide anything for the past anymore. And everything for tomorrow is yet to come. I can't decide anything for then, right now. What I have right now is God's presence in my life. I can't know God in my past. I can't know God in my future. I can only know God right now. In what God is doing right now. In what God is calling me to right now. In this moment, on this day, in this room, in your heart, right now, Jesus Christ is real and he's powerful and he wants to give us life and he wants to free us from the past and he wants to bring us into the reality of who he is right now. One of the prayers I wrote was, God, I release all thoughts of control for who is in my future. It was part of this, I want to live now. Because this is how I know him. In at this moment now, I say, yes, God, and not me, you. Not me, you. Not me, you. Not my way, God, your way. Now. Imagine being free of everything in the past that holds you back. Uh, I like kind of you know, pictures. I'm a visual person, but I love this this concept of a firm foundation, a solid rock, 
and nothing holding me back. And I want all of us, I want all of us to know Christ like that. For some of us, it's hard. Uh, so we still wrestle, and me too. We wrestle with nostalgia, where we want to just stay at the altar of what was. Or we wrestle with shame, where we can't get past just the, oh, of what we've done. Or we wrestle with anger and, and resentment and unforgiveness and past hurts and where we can't let go because we feel like if we if we if we just cancel all the debt for that person if we don't hold them accountable then they're going to get away with it or some crazy thing like that what happens in our hearts that way where some of us are stuck in the past and yeah and god wants us to know him and that is nothing but just holding us back from that. So if that's you, if, you're, if anything in that space is you, and you've been held back from knowing Christ in the now and, and, and living that kind of free life with Christ, then we would love to pray with you. We would love to help you. I would love to help you. If your problem is me, which it may be, if your problem is me, then come and tell me. I'll do everything I can. To, to, to help us to be together in Christ now. Um, that way, I would just want us all to be in this place where we want to know him. This is the DNA we're being called to. This is the grace of God poured out every day to all of us if we receive it. Hmm. Let's pray. Father, we want to press on. We, we want to know Christ. Thank you for the life and the joy and the peace and the purpose and the hope that comes um, when we know you. And God, I pray that you would free us, that you would free our hearts, that you would convict us, that you would call us uh, to this place of freedom with you where we're able to forget the past and press on together. In Jesus' name, amen.